Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Two Way Players Podcast. Tonight, we close out the first season of the podcast, and we do it with somebody that I've been dying to get on the pod. Tonight's guest is a decorated college athlete, 2014 ICAA All Conference team as a pitcher at Spring Hill College, a six foot four specimen on the mound. The guy has spent time on each coast. He now resides in Auburn, Alabama, and we'll talk about why that is in just a moment. Number 36 on the field, but number one in our hearts, Decatur, Georgia's own, Jack Howard. What's going on, Jack? Uh, How's it going, Matt? It's a pleasure to be here um, to wrap up the season. Dude, was that not like uh, a (laughs) a top-tier intro for you or what? I don't think I've ever had one that uh, had so many so many accolades that I've uh, maybe maybe forgotten about. But I appreciate uh, the the research on that. You're 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 so welcome, dude. I, I don't I don't know if you if you've been on the Spring Hill website recently to to look at your stats and all that and your old your old profile. Have you have you done that recently? I don't think I have. No. Yeah, man. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I could read off a few things about yourself, and that I think that actually be kind of fun. Let's see if if things have changed. You know, how, <laughs> how about it says so? Your you were your favorite's food was spaghetti. Is that still true? Oh man, I don't think that's true. I think I'm more of a macaroni and cheese guy. If I'm okay. going to be honest, still but... pa- still pasta though. You know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, favorite <laughs> movie? Favorite movie? Twenty One Jump Street. Is that is that still is that still top tier for you? Man, I'm telling you, that's actually, I think that might still be a top five comedy for me. I love that. I love that movie. came out at the right time, especially when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's just a classic. I enjoy that. It's tough for a comedy to age well, but I feel like that that one's aging well, at least so far, you know? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, dude, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend too much time grilling you about your, your favorite movies and all that stuff. Uh, I got you on here for a lot of reasons, Jack. Number one, you know, you're one of my you're one of my favorite people. Uh, I, lo- I love talking with you. I want to talk some sports. I want to talk some war zone, but I also want to talk about this new gig. I-, I mentioned a second ago that you you now reside in Auburn, Alabama, um, and you are in, in correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a, a sports and counseling psychologist with with Auburn Athletics. Is that true? Yes, I'm still getting used to saying mm-hmm. War Eagle and wearing orange, but uh, but here we are. Uh, yeah, man, so I, I took a position uh, a few weeks ago here at Auburn's athletic department as a counseling and sports psychologist, and kind of what that means is I exclusively work with the mental health and performance of student-athletes at Auburn, so about 550 student-athletes, about 15 or 16 sports, I believe, um, so yeah, just getting, getting used to the humidity after coming from, uh, coming from California. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that is quite, uh, the, not, of course it's not like you, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into. You've lived around this area before, but, but yeah, it's a little, little different. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, being closer to home was really important to me and being a couple hours from Atlanta and the Decatur area, which is where I have a lot of family. Um, you know, it was just like too good of an opportunity, obviously, to work in the Southeastern Conference and, mm-hmm. and be at the highest, highest level of college athletics. Yeah, um, no doubt. You know, it was also, yeah, an opportunity I couldn't turn down. So really excited to be here, settling in nice and uh, happy to talk about it. That's awesome, dude. So when, like, because when I think of, you know, now I think of, of 
you know, the mental part of, of being an athlete all the time, you know, because I'm, I'm a high school coach and I've been around it for, for a while now. When I was younger, though, I never really thought about the psychology part of, of sports and, and, and athletics. When was it that you kind of realized, oh, that not only is this something that I, you know, I see now and I see what it, the impact it has on athletes. When did you kind of, when did it kind of hit you that, you know what, I kind of want to, I kind of want to be a part of this. I kind of want to make this my career. When was that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think in high school, I, I had a similar experience that, that you're describing, which is there just wasn't a big focus on it. It was physical preparation and, and whoever could execute, you either could or you couldn't. And there wasn't like an in-between or a gray area or anything you could do about it. I think it wasn't until college that I started to notice differences in mentalities of all these different guys I was meeting from across the country that, that joined on with a team, playing on different teams, um, and started doing a little bit more research on it. And to be honest, my time at Spring Hill, like from an academic standpoint, was really helpful to do kind of my own digging uh, into psychology generally, and then more specifically into, okay, who's doing this work? Because, you know, this is there's a lot of sports that are played all across the nation, all across the world every day. Um, and I know that mindset has to be, you know, a focus in there. So mm-hmm. doing a little bit of that research and then it kind of blossomed in graduate school when I started meeting people in my current position that were doing this already for professional teams, Olympic athletes and, and at colleges and universities. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um and that, and that's really cool. And, and honestly, that mindset, right, that, that you're talking about, like a very famous saying down here, and I'm sure everywhere is rub some dirt on it. You know, I don't know if you heard that one. Uh, like when, right. when something's going wrong, you're hurt, you know, rub some dirt on it, get over it, you know. And, and, and I'm not talking about just physical stuff. It's, it's mental, right? You know, it's the, you know, athletes are people. And athletes, man, they have like, and you know this as, as well as anybody, they have all the pressure in the world, not just on them that they put on themselves, but the people around them is, is, is something like that. I'm sure you, you, you were kind of already familiar with that early on or that mindset, but is that something you've noticed more and more um, the longer you've done or studied what you've been studying? Yeah, absolutely. Matt, I think that's a, honestly a really good point because in the Southeast, I think you get a little bit of a double whammy. You get the pressure of athletics and sport, which is pretty potent down here, I would say. And you also get the the culture like of the South, which is kind of the, you know, hey, if something's going on, don't say anything about it. Just push through it, right? Do the hard things because you're tough, mm-hmm. right? Kind of those old adages of just gritting your yeah. teeth through different experiences. So I think it's kind of a double whammy in the South. And yes, I think since I started doing this in 2015, uh, even just the first clients I ever saw to now, I think it's progressively gotten more and more intense based on popularity of sport and also like learning more about what mental health is and, and wait, can we do something about this performance, right? Like if you feel really anxious during a game or during a practice, is there something we can do about that? Because in the past it was, well, you just need to quit. You need to stop if you can't do it. Yeah. But I think nowadays, you know, we have interventions and we have all types of wonderful things that, that we can provide athletes to, to help them succeed, whatever that looks like for them, right? Not everyone's yeah. going to be an Olympian. Not everyone's going to play in the show. Yeah. And and what would you say to that athlete? Because, you know, listening to you here, I'm thinking about that that athlete, right? That that, that football, that high school football player, you know, that wants to be tough, but at the same time knows that, hey, man, I 
I have to take care of myself as well, right? But but I also want to be tough. Like I want to I want to you know be tough for my team. It, it's 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 hard, man. It's it's hard to to think about it like that. What do you what do you say to an athlete like that? That they don't want to quit, you know, but they also they also want to take care of themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a couple ways to come at that. I think the first way can be to use, you know, very real time, real life examples um, and also just like, you know, knowledge and research. Um, one of the pieces I was reading earlier, and hopefully this doesn't take too much time, but Not it's good. from a book I was reading called Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. And he talks about how the military mindset emphasized to everyone that you just have to push through. You just have to be tougher and that's just what you have to be. And you sacrifice everything to be that. What the military mindset or mantra kind of comes across that doesn't actually get explained is that they work three times as long on the preparation for the things that you have to be tough for, right? Or yeah. the different things that you have to prepare yourself for to make sure that your cup is full so you're not pouring it out everywhere else and then you're not being able to restore yourself. So I think in a lot of ways, like using some examples, you know, from that perspective with a young athlete, it's just like, hey, it's awesome to be tough when you're feeling good and it's hard to do it when you're not feeling good, right? Yeah. But let's find some different ways mm -hmm. that you can take care of yourself and still do the things that you want to do. I think it's really leveling with with some of the kids and and just being, you know, being realistic of like, how much longer can you keep this up? Yeah. Right. And like eventually you run yourself into the ground and and nobody likes that. Right. It leads to overtraining, mm -hmm. leads to perfectionism, leads to all types of like mental difficulties. You start fearing failure more than you start seeking success. Right. Yeah. For sure. You can succeed. It's just a lot of dynamics like that that I think are really tricky to handle. And, you know, just having support, having good coaches like you and and people in your life that can understand that, hey, things things aren't so easy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of tough, you know. Yeah, and look, you know, just to sort of bring it back to that high school athlete, one thing I, I always tell these kids, like, training is so important. Like, training your body, conditioning, um, practice. Like, they, they just think of the games. They think of the moments, you know, on the court or on the field and all that. But all this other stuff is so important, and not just for your body, but for, you know, training your mind to understand what it is you can do. And, and look, I tell them all the time, I never, I'll never, i never ask you for 110%. That's like a, a saying that people like to say, give me 110. Like, no, I don't I don't want 110. That's more than what you're you're able to give me, <laughs> right? right. But, but if you train the right way and, and, you, and you take care of yourself, you can give a lot, you know, and you can do it in a healthy way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, Matt, that's such a huge piece because it's like when I talk about building confidence in athletes, which comes up kind of a lot, um, one of the biggest things is how much do you trust your preparation? Yes. Right. Cause sometimes when you don't feel confident taking that shot or you don't feel confident running that race, what's, what's leading to that? Cause it's not just the race, right? It's how do you feel about the, the preparation, the mastery of the skills that you're working so hard at? How are you taking care of your body? Do you feel rested? You know, do you yeah. feel hundred percent here? Like, or do you feel like 70%, you know? I think you're you're so right of just like being able to open those those floodgates of communication that for a long time athletes didn't have, right? Yeah. They didn't have anyone to talk to mm -hmm. about these types of things. So it's a, it's a really cool job, man. I mean, I could talk about it for hours. Yeah, but no, I, I, uh, I love working with the athletes. No, that's really that's that's what I wanted to to get you to kind of share about because you know when 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 I saw that you got this position, dude, I was so excited for you and just thinking about it, how cool it is and. And, uh, 
and, and just being able to talk to these athletes and, and get them to, I'm sure you're, you're able to get them to open up and they feel comfortable because they're excited to actually get to talk to somebody that, Hey, this person, this person might can help me, you know? So, uh, no, it's, yeah. it's super cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm, I'll probably talk to you more about it, uh, at some point, but, um, <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, no worries. And look, you're in Auburn. That's, Hey, I, I'm very, very familiar with that area. You know, I can give you some, I can't really give you any tips on sports psychology really, but I could definitely tell you, you know, the spots you need to go get some food and stuff like that. So. I got you there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to hit you up for that for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. So you know, you spent a little time on the West Coast. You know, how, how was that? You, you talked about the weather. Um, other other than that, though, how, how was how was life over there for a little bit? Yeah, you know, like uh, so, I lived in the Bay Area. So uh, I worked at Stanford last year uh, in their athletic department, which is a little bit different. We had 36 sports, a lot of Olympic sports. Um, so it's just a, a little bit different, a different caliber of student athlete, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. just kind of with different goals, different, you know, career paths and things like that. Um, but no, I mean, it, it was uh, it was an enjoyable year. It was really challenging in a lot of ways. You know, I'm originally from Georgia, spent a lot of time in the quote unquote deep south of, of Alabama and Mississippi. So it was a culture shock in a lot of ways, but met some met some really brilliant people, saw the most beautiful things and. But, uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy the year passed so quickly because, you know, now we're, we're back in the southeast and, mm-hmm. you know, I already I already love it. Like I was in Big yeah. Lots the other week and, the, and one guy saw my brave shirt and he was just like, hey, man, did you watch the game last night? <laughs> like that would never happen on the West Coast. Right. right. People are too busy. They're, they're chasing, you know, they're chasing the next thing. Right. Like we lived in Silicon Valley, um, like the Mountain View area. And that's kind of the culture is that everybody's yeah. moving fast. And, you know, I'm, I think it, it helps me clarify the the difference in values of family and connection and some of those pieces. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely excited to be back and closer to you guys, you know, closer For to sure. friends. There we go. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that you, you know, you, you could kind of notice or and you were there long enough to really, it's not like you, you were just there for a few weeks, you know, you spent enough time there to sort of, you know, figure all that stuff out. Um, Spring, sure. Spring Hill, man. You know, we, we spent some time there as well. Spring Hill College. Uh, I already talked a little bit about your your, your baseball career, man. What was that like? What was that, <laughs> how? Because you know, we 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 hung out a little bit, but our you know we we didn't we didn't go to college the exact same period of time. Um, For sure. But when you you know doing the baseball, the school, and all that, man, how was how was it how was it at Spring Hill having to kind of juggle all that? Yeah, I think, you know, to be honest, like, uh, I really appreciated the opportunity to be able to just compete and be able to play to play baseball at the college level. We started as an NAIA program and we transitioned to a Division II program during my time there. Um, And I felt like I was learning so much and growing so much, especially in those first two years, that it was really hard to to kind of really get a sense of who I was going to become or the things that I really wanted to do. And if you dig into that stat, uh, stat sheet on the, on the website, you'll also (laughs) see those numbers change pretty drastically from those first two years. Hey, big time. Um, Look, Jack, I don't mean to cut you off, dude, but (laughs) I need you to contact Spring Hill or I'll do it for you at this point. And there's a couple stats on here that I I needed them to get rid of because they're, they're slandering my boy here. Look, 2014. I don't. I like the strikeout totals, and, and you know, you had more strikeouts and walks. But why are they putting that you were you had a team high 11 wild pitches? Well, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
have I have no idea, but I need to get that scrubbed <laughs> off the internet. That's there's nobody I mean, the needs to know that, that you know. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, nobody needs to see that freshman ERA either. You know what I mean? So we can just let that one pass. Or my, what was it like an OBP of like 400 or something hey, against? I'm looking, but, I'm looking at it, dude. It's it, the ERA was high. I wasn't going to say it, but honestly, I don't mind them putting that because they can see the progress, you know? Um, I the, hear that. It's but, about the journey, right? Yeah, That's what exactly. we're here talking about anyways. But, but the, but the, no, but the, it's, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was, uh, Honestly, like I think that was the that was the a huge shock when I came down to play. Uh, just transition to college was was so challenging. I cruised through the fall of my first year, and I was like first person. You know, our boy, you know, uh, Jeff and some other people were on the team, and you know, I was I was killing it for a long yeah. time, and then you know, I kind of noticed some different things mentally that happened to me during that time, and I just kind of the wheels kind of came off for a lack of better terms. And I guess like, I, I don't know if I should say that as a professional in the field now, but <laughs> no, yeah, I just kind of, be honest, lost the, yeah, lost the confidence, like just didn't have, you know, like I was a big kid that threw hard and then just, just kind of lost it. And it was, it's honestly like when you look back on it, it's 10 years, 10 years ago. And the journey since like the sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you know, it just kind of had to, had to build it back up yeah. and i feel like that's that was my the coolest thing that why i look so fondly on those friendships at spring hill and those relationships through sport and just like thinking about how my life just totally yeah. changed on a dime you know and For so sure. I, I always look back fondly on those those days and keep in touch with you guys and keep in touch with all my baseball dudes and all the uh all the other people too yeah no i mean that, that's so true about spring hill because it's, it's honestly like a little like a little you know, high school in terms of like the size of it and how everybody's on campus. And look, you know, I am, I'm doing something now that has nothing to do with the degree that I got from Spring Hill. But, you know, at the same time, I met so many of, of my, you know, lifelong friends there. I, I grew up a lot, you know, as a person. So right. I definitely don't regret, sure. I definitely don't regret my time. And I know you don't, you don't either. Um, yeah, definitely. All right, so let's real, real quick. We're going to transition a little bit to uh, some Braves talk. I want to get your thoughts on uh, on the Braves. I definitely want to hear what you, hear your thoughts on the current team and all that. But last year, man, just give me real quick, man. What was that experience like? Uh, you guys were were really good, and, and you and you took it home. Uh, how was that last year? Honestly, it was an unbelievable experience as a Braves fan. Um, I still couldn't believe it, even when Dansby fielded the final ball and threw it across the diamond and Freeman had his hands up. And I was like, I was just shocked. I was just staring at the TV like, we got to lose the next game, right? You know, just like, and just because like everything, me growing up, like 95 happened, the championship, that was awesome. I didn't really, wasn't old enough to really like enjoy that, but the Braves were always good during my childhood, which I was very spoiled, you know, yeah. to have that but just couldn't finish it. I remember sitting there in the Milwaukee series to start the run. And I said, man, what a great team to just win the division. Wasn't that just awesome? And I was like, yeah, we'll probably lose to Milwaukee. Like they're pretty good. Like in my head, I was just like, like kind of already accepting that, which is a little sad, but that's like <laughs> kind, of what, kind of what the Braves do to you a little bit or yeah. what they have done to you. And uh, then we beat them and I said, oh, well, you know, now we've got LA, you know, there's no, you know, that's not going to happen. And then it's one walk-off hit, another walk-off hit. But you asked me earlier, like, what was the biggest moment 
you know, for me, and a lot of people say like the Solaire home run in the World Series or multiples of them or whatever. I think the turning point in the playoffs for the Braves is when Freddie took Josh Hader deep to clinch the series of the NLDS. Yeah. And I just think it just, it was an entire stadium of Braves fans and they were just like, whoa, we could do this. Like, we could actually do it. And this you know, is back when Hader was game. like, Hader was Hader, you know. So. Right, exactly. He had the sub two ERA and yeah. he was the most feared closer in baseball. And Freddie, first pitch, took him deep. And I think it just, it helped instill a little bit of like, you know, a belief not only in the clubhouse, but. But for everybody watching, man, but it was unbelievable. It really was. And all that stuff is so, you know, it's important in every, belief and confidence is important in every sport, but I firmly believe that in baseball, it can almost like carry you through a postseason. And you can definitely feel that with that Braves team, dude. Like they just had guys that were good players, but they were just playing out of their mind, you know, and they kind of started to expect it. I totally agree with you. And when you go back and you turn the clock back to these World Series champions over the years, there's just something that happens to all those, all boats rise when the tide Mm -hmm. comes in. Like something happens, it shifts momentum, it changes things, and then it rolls. You know, baseball is one of the only sports that plays without a clock, right? So like, it's not a, oh, we just have to survive for these 60 minutes. It's like, no, there's so many swings, there's so many changes and you know, it's such a challenging sport to to string together the wins that you need to win the World Series. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to watch a team do it. I mean, it's, you know, for some franchises, it never happens, you know. <laughs> and it's just like, it's surreal. I mean, it's giving me chills just even talking about it. I mean, <laughs> Dude, it was a crazy run, man. It's crazy. Yeah. No, they were playing the uh, – I went to the Braves game against Otani, the, the, the most recent one this season. And they were, and they had a little quick little rain delay, and they basically played highlights and interviews and stuff from that from that World Series run. And the fans, I mean, it's almost like they were cool with the the delay because that was right. so much fun <laughs> to watch that over and over again on the big screen. Um, yeah, that's so cool. Some of the uh, some of the moves that the Braves made this year, I I, I don't think they were flashy, but they kind of reminded me of last year's moves. Um, in a, in a sense, because they were like kind of small moves. Like Gro- Robbie Grossman's not like a incredible player, but he 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 gets on base a lot. He's really good swinging against a, a certain pitcher, like a certain certain arm pitcher. You know, I don't really For know. Sure. You know, just like little things, right? And uh, and it kind of felt like, hmm, are the Braves doing that thing again? Uh, does it kind of feel like this team could do could do that? They could get hot and, and kind of and make another run, or is this just like? This Mets team is different, and it's just it's going to be a little too much. What, what are you thinking? I think it's a little bit of both. I think on the first front, I think adding guys like Grossman and, and some other people from uh, you know teams that are typically dealing at the deadline, right, sub-500 teams, mm-hmm. it changes them too, right? Robbie Grossman was a 2020 guy last year, and then he comes, he plays on the team, gets off to a slow start, and can't hit above the Mendoza line. Yeah, I think when you come to a great team and you get all these people around you and you're batting in the nine hole with a Cunha behind you, mm-hmm. things change a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I think the Braves have built a little bit. I mean, this is a culture now. I mean, this is four straight division championships. The Mets are very, very good this year. They can pitch just as well as the Braves can, just as well as the Dodgers can. So 
I think it's a three-headed monster race in the NL. And then I was impressed by the Cardinals this weekend too. Yes. That maybe, maybe they could string together the pitching, maybe um, to do it. Because I think their lineup could probably do it if they got hot. Because that's you know that's the mecca of baseball in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's tricky, man. I don't know if the Braves are going to have a chance. Of, I mean they'll have a chance in the division, but I think it's going to be tough to catch the Mets. They're a pretty stout squad. They got a lot of depth. Um, but man, put us in a five gamer or three gamer with whoever. And I know nobody wants to face Atlanta. No, you know, not at all. like in that three game, like, I mean, the Phillies maybe, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, you guys <laughs> are weird in. against the Phillies for some reason. I've, there's been some weird Phillies Braves games, but I don't think you'll <laughs> have to worry about us, um, in, in the postseason. Now, uh, what's the word on Soroka? Cause that's like a little sneaky thing. Cause I'm seeing, you know, some things about him, like coming back. Uh, in time to be like, I don't know about a starter, but like an arm, you know, is, is yeah, he coming back? They've got him for his fourth rehab start, I think, uh, this weekend at Gwinnett. I'm excited that he's just throwing the ball and not feeling hurt. Like, I think him just getting pitches and getting reps, getting innings is great. I think the initial plan was to prepare him for spring training, like try to build some momentum into the offseason They've been flirting with the fact of like, oh, do we bring him up? What do we do? Yeah. Do we put Strider in the bullpen and make him an Andrew Miller type, you know, coming out for two innings, yeah. two and a third and just shutting down another team? I mean, maybe that happens, but, um, you know, Odorizzi's made some adjustments. It's hard, to, it's hard for me to take on Soroka and be like, yeah, man, get in there after two and yeah. a half, three years of injuries. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just build some big mo and then we'll see you in, in February. Yeah. For sure, for sure. It, it is just fun to think about. Like if he's Soroka, you know, like that's a that's a big piece. But right, it, it's, it's hard. Like the to, year, it's hard to yeah, the that. year. For sure, like the year him and Jack Flaherty were just like yes. unbelievable, and everyone was like, "These guys are literally the best pitchers in baseball," and then they haven't really been healthy yeah. since. And, and Flaherty's it's, another guy, you know. But I look, I'm not gonna. I would never dare on the Doctor Jack episode sit here and and pump up the the Mets and the Cardinals because I, I definitely think highly of them both. <laughs> But uh, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about them. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see this this little stretch run um, with with the, the postseason run in the MLB. Um, maybe on a little bit lesser or less fun uh, note, how much of an Atlanta Falcons fan are you? Oh man. You know, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This year, I'm happy to say that I'll be tuning in to most of the Colts games. So oh, your boy, I'm slowly, I'm slowly starting my transition to uh, to finish out Madden's career where it may be uh, with the Colts. No, I'm I'm a, I'm still a really big Falcons fan. I've always been a big Falcons fan. I remember going to the games as a kid, watching Work Done and Michael Vick, and like and just loving it. Um, but I think similar to what what you had said before is like they uh, the GM the former GM and and uh, Dimitrov and Dan Quinn you know they just fooled they kind of fooled everybody mm-hmm. and it really put the Falcons back. Yeah, I mean they got Kyle Pitts. He's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, other than that, it's just I don't know. We'll see. The, the Falcons are, are let's say they're a year away. How about that? Uh, <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's what you always say, right? Yeah. You're just like, oh, well, maybe next year, right? Yeah, maybe, the draft maybe can change your entire season. Exactly. Hey, yeah. you, get, you but, get a stud. Who knows? 
Um, yeah. yeah. They're going to be under win total. Whatever the win total is, they're going to be under I, whatever. I, I, I wish I had looked that up before before I started. Unofficial unofficial betting advice. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I actually think people can take that to the bank. But um, on the flip side, though, on the flip side, you have the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, that's fun. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, we got uh, – dude, 2021 was just right? a crazy it was year. The, it was your year, man. <laughs> Yeah, and like it was the two teams, right? I think I was thinking about this earlier too, Matt. Mm-hmm. The two teams that last year, and like you can say, I guess, about Georgia maybe because of the defense, but like there have been better Georgia teams and there have been better Atlanta Brave teams, mm-hmm. but those teams did not win the championship, yeah. right? Like the years where we had for Georgia, Aaron Murray, Matt Stafford, right? You had Fromm, all these guys that are so heralded, and then you have Setson. And it's like, yeah. well, there's no way, yeah. right? And then, and then you do it, and it's just, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, super blessed on that run, um, and to come back and to to hit Alabama in the mouth and beat them during their quote unquote rebuilding year, whatever. Um, they don't rebuild. That was just, a, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had my buddy Ethan on. He's a big dogs fan. I had him on earlier this week. It's been dogs week. I don't know what's going on around here, but. Um, no, he, he talked about his relationship with Stetson Bennett and how, you know, he was, he was not a fan, uh, but, but he earned his respect and, uh, and obviously, I mean, like, yeah, he, he helped you win a title, you know, but no, I'm with you, man. You think, I think of Georgia, I always think of these guys like Noshawn Marino, AJ Green, yep. Matt Stafford, Aaron Murray, so many great, you know, individual performers over the years on, in the, in the Rick there, but that team last year, man, they just had it. That that defense was incredible, you know, and, and Bennett was good yeah. enough. He was good enough. Exactly, right? Like when he had to have a throw, he had yeah. it, you yeah. know, and it's just like not a lot of those guys in the past. I mean, they had great careers, but they can't say that they made, you know, the throw, yep. you know, or won the game. And that's, uh, that's what he did. So, I mean, incredible. We'll see what happens this year. Um, you know, I think uh, everyone, you know, of course, Georgia's expectations, their their fans are mm-hmm. usually so high, but we'll, we'll see. It feels a little bit like the uh, post-Rose Bowl Georgia team from 2017 when they went to the championship and lost an OT. Yeah. It feels a little bit like 2018 again, which is when Georgia, like, came back and people were like, is this still a top five team? And, you know, so there's going to be a lot, lot to be figured out in the next few months, it seems. Yeah. Now, I was watching Tennessee a little bit earlier, and, and they're one of my teams in the East. I think, you know, they at least have the offensive talent to to challenge Georgia a little bit, but they're they're still the favorites for sure in the East. Um, yeah, I think that's the big issue, right? Is like, can you put up twenty eight plus a game to beat some of these teams? Like, I, you know, I know that they were able to shut out, you know, what Arkansas and some other people last year, but. Tennessee's not playing around, man. They're going to hang four touchdowns on just about everybody they play. So can you beat that? You know, and if you can, that's great. But, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, the landscape has changed a lot. Yep. There's a lot of teams in the SEC. There's a lot of of, uh, boosters paying their coaches a lot of money in the SEC. So uh, it's not just just two teams. I mean, I know Bama and Georgia have been the dominant ones recently, but there's a lot of hungry – Fame like Florida is tired of sucking. You know Tennessee's tired of sucking. I mean these these teams are going to be up and up. So it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, Absolutely. All right, man. Look, so you know we've touched on some some of your favorite teams. Now, 
one thing I would like to sort of close out on, though, a lot of people don't know this about you. They know it about me because I've said it on the podcast, but, you know, we've, we've spent some time in the Dansk, you know, in Verdansk. Oh, man. And uh, what, what are some what, – how would you describe yourself as a, as a war zone player, Jack? Because I, I definitely think of you in a very positive light um, when, when, when you drop in to, to, to Superstore or when you used to drop in to Superstore, you know? Uh, how would you describe yourself? I think that's a that's a great question. I, I will never forget the days of just when the pandemic really hit hard that I jumped on with you and Derek at, for lunch breaks, and we would jump and, and we would play, and I would I would get killed almost immediately, and you guys would bring me back, and then I would die again, and then it would just be that cycle. But no, I think uh, I think nowadays um, I am what I would like to call just below average, okay. you know, like a hard four, 4.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can, I can get there. I can do what I'm told. I'm going to lose a one-on-one gunfight, but I might be able to put some shots on, you know, and yeah. that's, that's, I'm really, I'm really trying to be a team guy. Mm-hmm. You need a grenade thrown. I'm there. Yeah. Right. We need, we need a distraction. I'm there. Let's yeah. ride. Dude. So, I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because there's so much more to war zone. And and, and 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 you know life in Verdansk than just being able to do damage and put people down. You know, you got to have great. 100%. You got to have great comms. You got to be able to tell your teammates, <laughs> "Hey, do you, you need you need some armor? I got you." Right? There's so many other things uh, that are important to it. And I'll say this, and I this is not and anybody. And look, some some people listen to this podcast have, are probably you know they play war they play Warzone before. It's nothing worse than having bad vibes on the squad. And when I play, oh man, when me DV, when we when we squad up with Jack, it's always good vibes, and that's the most important thing. I was just about to say that of uh, how do you check in with like how's morale? You it's know, exactly, like is morale good? Because like if it's not good, you're gonna you're not gonna win. Like you're gonna lose the gunfights. You got to go in with feeling like you're gonna. You're going to make it happen, you know, exactly. and that's uh, that's the visualization piece, man. Sports Psych 101 right yeah, there. Man. You know, like, like, look, there's players that I've played with, Jack, just complete transparency. They're probably a little bit better than you, but I couldn't see them coming in with a chopper when it's me versus four people coming in to try to <laughs> save me. But I could see my boy Jack doing that. <laughs> oh, man, you're taking me back. I mean, that, that uh, boy, those those times, that was awesome. That was so much fun. I so feel like it fun. just helped people connect. And I don't know how you feel about it, but like I, we had such a big sense of community through the game. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that was huge for that time period of isolation. Yeah, man. Not to get too serious, but no, like, true. that was massive for everybody. Yeah, we were all stuck inside. We didn't know if we were actually, you know, safe to go outside for, for like a couple weeks there. Yeah. Uh, and, and no, it was fun, man. It was, it was a good time. And, and I'm sad that, and I don't know, and, and, like, I don't know if it's different just because, you know, we're kind of all back to living our lives in a normal way. But, you know, Warzone just kind of, man, it just there were so many cheaters, and uh, right. it, it got tough to play. And I'm really hoping that the new Warzone can sort of bring yeah. back at least a little bit of what made that game fun, you know? Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with you. I think at a certain point, maybe people burned out on it, too, just like overplaying. Yeah, maybe. 
I probably had a little bit all too that much. stuff. But <laughs> I do totally agree though with like the hacking and, and the you know the poor quality and some pieces and the updates and all these little things. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hopeful though. You know, like just like this one kind of came out, quote unquote, came out of nowhere, like and swept us up into Verdance for a couple of years. It's like you know, there's just a, as good of a possibility of that happening again. Yeah. Right. So fingers crossed, man. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. I, I'm sure. looking you right in the eyes, Activision. I need a great game. I need this to be excellent. <laughs> well, I, we got to get the boys yes. back. Back. You know what I'm saying? We, we're ready to squat up. Uh, For real. But Jack, man, I, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I appreciate you sort of cl- look. This was the final episode of of this season of this podcast, and uh, man, it's been it's been a pleasure having you on, man. Yeah. Hey, I so appreciate it, Matt. I'm really excited that, that you're doing this and, you know, I'm in, looking forward to season two. Hope the finale wasn't so bad. No, nah, man, it was great. It was great. And hey, to all the viewers, man, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, next week is going to look a little different. All right. We're going to go full audio starting next week, but hopefully content's better. Everything's better. We're going to be talking a lot of football. It's football season now. We're, we're, we're locked in. We're ready to go. So y'all have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll catch y'all in the next one.